Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dan, the number one shooting machine on the market. Um, you know, their customer service, even before they were sponsors, was unbelievable. It's one of the reasons I, I reached out to them and said, I want you to sponsor, be one of our sponsors on our podcast, because I just believe in their machine so much. And it's just helped our team win so many games. So uh, mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the one-stop shop. It is my baby. Um, it's one of the reasons we're able to keep this free. We're not going to be charging for our podcast or our YouTube channel or anything like that. Um, but it's also run by a high school coach for high school coaches or youth coaches or even college coaches. Um, it's not run by a, a, a college. It's not Zoom. It's not all these Zoom calls. It's on court. It's demonstrations. It's videos. It's clinics. It's handouts. It's everything you need to become a better basketball coach in one stop shop. So if it's not there, I will find it for you. <laughs> All right, let's head off to the podcast. All right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Coach, you're going to be in the 1100s. I can tell you that because I was working on, uh, I was working on my podcast this morning, and I'm, uh, I'm actually working with Blue Wire Pods, which is a basketball. I, I just joined a network which is only um, sports podcasts, so I haven't even mentioned it. Then your your podcast will be the first time I've actually mentioned it. Um, but anyway, I was doing that this morning, so I know where you're gonna fall and you'll be, you'll be in the 1100. So, so Matt, what I'm going to have you do is kind of introduce yourself. And then I want you to kind of walk through your basketball journey mm-hmm. kind of how you got into coaching, how you got into this, and then how you got into what you're doing now with the leadership and the administration and the book. And, and we'll get to all that at the end, but just kind of your basketball journey. Um, and, uh, did I see you at Indiana University grad? Yep. Okay. So my I married a, I married a who I married. She she grew up in Mad. I, I I'm from Madison. So before mm-hmm. I have you do this, I'm from Madison. She went to St. Thomas and she just walked in. And then oh thank you. And then um, uh, she went and got her she's uh, got her specialist degree. She's a psychologist from Indiana. So. Okay. I tell everybody that every basketball coach should marry a psychologist. That's a good tip. It's a good tip. That's, That's a, a good really tip. good tip. She just, she just, oh, this is live. She just said she got me a, uh, just got me a cookie. So that's awesome. From Crumble Cookies. If and they're not advertisers, but Crumble Cookies are really good. They're really good. Right. They're like these big face cookies. Oh, look at that. That's like, I'm going to have to go for a run or something later. Okay. So, all right. So I'm sorry, coach. So like I said, before we started, I go, I do bird walk sometimes, but um, so go ahead, introduce yourself and uh, kind of tell us about your basketball journey. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Matthew Raybard, um, you know, I, 
my basketball journey actually started before I got into college athletics. Um, you know, growing up, I, I always loved college basketball, March Madness. Um, and I just at a young age just became really obsessed with coaching and developed the dream of coaching and wanting to be a part of college basketball, March Madness. And so what's um, the first game you remember? The first game I remember. Like what, 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 what game hooked you? You know, honestly, for me, the interesting thing about me is I love March Madness, but I love conference championship week more. So when, when, you know, when people would always try to stay home or get out of school during March Madness, I always tried to stay home during conference championship week because I had this, this habit of I, I wanted to guess the bracket before there was Joe Lenardi and bracketology. Right. I was sitting at home with cute, you know, few cue cards trying to guess the bracket. So um, that was really where it started for me was that championship week because I always loved when they did that small school, you know, the Patriot League or the America East where we are now and and they then they won and they'd run onto the floor. That was just right. it gave me goosebumps every time from when I was you know, I think there's two on. I think there's three for me and okay. I've never actually mentioned this at all 1100. The first was my parents took me to our high school games, like okay. the local high school where I was going to go and I remember thinking I was in middle school, I thinking those guys were like the next they were the best things ever. And when they didn't make it to state, I remember crying and whatever. They had a really good team one year and I they didn't make it. And I, I remember being very upset. That's the first thing. The second thing is I remember my parents taking me to the state tournament, which mm -hmm. is in Madison um, and on the old field house, um, which is where Bobby Knight looked at it and then turned around and said, I'm not taking this job. And <laughs> it's like the barn up in Minneapolis. And the third one that I think really sealed the deal for me was NC State. Okay. When when Jim Belvano, I think that was the one like, whoa, this is pretty cool. Like that was pre, that was like when ESPN wasn't really ESPN. Um, that's how old I am for all the listeners. But I remember that being uh, a really big deal. And uh, and there were no DVRs for all the young pups that are listening. There was no way of recording it when I watched that. You either watched it live or you didn't right. see it. Uh, so um, but that's interesting. I think I, I've never actually talked about like how that's an interesting, I'll have to add, I'll have to add that to my questions for coaches about what game, because I think there's usually for all of us, something that hooks mm -hmm. us. Um, that's intriguing. Okay. So, yep. So that got you hooked into it. And then what happened? Yeah. And you know, I, um, I have a younger brother who, uh, was a better basketball player than me. And he, you know, he started. Oh, wow. For an older brother to say that the younger one was brother, my brother would never admit that. So that's good. That's good. You know, I, I'll admit it because without him, I don't think I'd have gotten on my coaching journey because it was um, him doing travel teams and um, they just happened to need a coach at one point early when he started doing travel and my dad volunteered to do it. And uh, I said, well, dad, can I tag along and help you out? And then, you know, by the end of the year, I was coaching the team and you know, did it all through high school and college. And uh, I'm surprised he still talks to me with all the, the yelling and the cussing and everything I used to do before I, uh, you know, figured out leadership a little more, uh, but just started with him. And, and I just saw coaching could maybe be a future for me. And, uh, you know, like a lot of college graduates, uh, you know, I was six months from graduation and had no idea what I wanted to do and no practical degree. So I said, you know, if I'm ever going to follow my dream of being a college basketball coach, I might as well do it. So, uh, you know, first of all, I'm a big fan of liberal arts degrees. So Me too. I have one, I, you know, I got a man, but I'm a big fan, even though you said you were a history major and an undergrad, it, mm -hmm. big fan, big fan. Cause I think it teaches you to think, which is an important thing. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I think it, it served me well because it was kind of a foundation. It didn't, didn't, you know, I didn't feel beholden to pursue any specific career path because of what my undergraduate degree was in. You know, I, I, I just did history because that's what I love. You know, I'm a history nerd. So I just got a degree in history and, and enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, from there, just started trying to break into the business. I, I had no relatives in the business, no friends, didn't know anybody. Just um, just started emailing coaches, sending out my resume that had all this wonky travel team stuff on it and um, got really lucky that uh, Western New Mexico was looking for an assistant coach that summer after I graduated and kept in contact with the coach and 
Um, he ended up inviting me out there for an interview. I drove from Chicago to the southwest corner of New Mexico. It's about a 24-hour drive and did the interview, offered me the job. And, you know, about a month later, I was moving out to Silver City, New Mexico to start my college coaching journey. And what, 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 what level was that? Division two. Okay. Wow. So, 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 so let's, let's rewind that for a second. What, what do you think separated you and what made you be able to get that? What, what was the separator? Just you were, you, you were on them. I mean, what, what was the separator? Cause, or, or, or maybe it was the school. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, the, the separator throughout my entire career has just been relentlessness. Uh, you know, if, if, if they say that you should follow up after two weeks, I'm going to follow up after one. I'm going to follow up again. I'm going to follow up again. I'm going to keep bugging you until you tell me, stop bugging me. And then I, I might bug you one more time to see if you're serious. It's just always been relentlessness. And, uh, and then just trying to do things to set myself apart. I'm, you know, I've never really been afraid to take a risk, to put myself out there, to cold call, cold email, do that sort of thing. And, and look, some people, that's a turnoff. They don't really like it. You know, I got plenty of no's in, in my career and especially early on, but like I, I always tell everybody, you only need one yes. So it doesn't matter how many no's you get if you just get that one yes. So I got a lot of no's on my way to it, but I, I got the one yes. And, and that, that's what started me in college coaching. Okay. So then, so how long were you there? And then what did that entail? So I, I was there for two years and I got my master's in educational leadership while I was there. And it was a great experience. You know, when you're at a, a, a small division two school, you got to do a whole lot of things. And so not only was I doing coaching, but I'm doing, you know, game ops at the football and volleyball games. I'm driving the softball team around. And it was, it was important for me from a basketball sense to learn the game, learn how to coach, but it was also important to learn how to be part of a team, how to work collaboratively, how to work with other assistant coaches, and also to learn from them. We, you know, we had a lot of other successful programs that I was able to learn from through those types of experiences. So it, it just was one of those things where I got to do a whole lot of stuff really quickly and get a lot thrown at me. And it, I think it really served me well moving forward. I love that. So then, so <laughs> you had to do a little bit of everything. So then what's next? What happened after that? So from there, I, I went and pretty much had the polar opposite experience. So I went from small rural Silver City, New Mexico to Dartmouth College in the Ivy League as an assistant coach. So my and, brother and I are both Dart, Dartmouth grads. So nice really? job. Yeah, Hanover rocks. Love Hanover. You know, my brother. My brother has a lake house thirty minutes from Hanover. We spent we spent the last ten summer. Oh, I love New Hampshire. My and my son's going to Middlebury. In oh wow, that's great. In five weeks. Wow. So <laughs> we're ready. Bye. Go. I, yes. I can imagine. But Dartmouth's great. Great town. Great yeah. town. Yeah. How long were you there? I was there for a year. Okay. Uh, was up at Dartmouth for a year. We had a, we had a great, uh, we had a really good season. It was actually, and again, you, you don't really know these things you're going through it, but you know, we, we had a couple of really kind of epic games with Harvard, who was our rival at the time. And they had a player, a lot of your listeners probably know Jeremy Lin. Um, and you, you don't realize it at the time, but then I'm sitting there a few years later being like, I, we played against that guy. Like <laughs> we went toe to toe with him. Um, it's funny how the, the, the profession kind of comes back around and it's crazy. Realize. I had one of my, one of my, uh, one of my players just graduated and he's taking his fifth year at Loyola. Um, but he was second team. I mean, he, yeah, it was great. Great school. Great school. Can't say enough about go big green. All right. So then what happened after that? So, uh, from there I went down to Florida, Florida Gulf coast. Okay. Um, Whoa, geez. you're going. So let me describe Hanover, New Hampshire. It's like putting yeah. an Ivy League school in the middle of the woods. I'm just <laughs> going to describe it. And then you're going to basically you're going to Fort Myers. So you're going south. Like <laughs> you're going like, yeah, you're two hours from Miami. It's it's yeah. Good weather though. Good yeah. weather. Yeah. And how long yeah. were you there? I was at uh, Florida Gulf Coast for a year. Okay. And um, then I, I got really lucky. I had the opportunity to come back up to Chicago, where I'm originally from, and get to uh, Chicago State. Okay. And, um, you know, that was a, that was a, a tremendous experience for me because I got to be there for a while. I was there for eight seasons. 
work for the same coach. We largely had the same staff and just really, I feel like that's when I really came into my own as a coach. The other jobs I, I was learning kind of on the go and right. trying to soak everything in. But when I got there, I felt like now I could finally put all the pieces together and, and be a coach. I'm still okay. learning, but I can start start giving more to the players than I had been before because I was kind of ready for it. And what, so let me ask you a question about all these, what were obstacles and what were, what were things that were easy to easier? Like what, what was the difference between D2 and D1? And what was the difference between, obviously there's a huge difference between Dartmouth and Florida Gulf coast and between Chicago state. Those are, those are three totally separate types of schools. Um, how could you, what, 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 what obstacles did you see or things that you saw in that journey? You know, I think, you know, when I was at, when I went from D2 to D1, I think, you know, first off, you know, the, the players were very different. Um, and not only was I going to division one, but it was non-scholarship division one. It was high academic division one. The Ivy league culture was very different. Right. They're going to, they're going to labs rather than, yeah, they're doing what they got to do. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Okay. I agree. Um, so it was really like a polar opposite experience for me. Um, and, but, you know, going D1 to D1, Dartmouth to Florida Gulf Coast, you know, I, I think a big difference there is, you know, when you're in the Ivy League, there's a lot of other competing factors. There's the academic factor. You've got the tradition of the Ivies. There's Ivy weekends. You're playing back-to-back -back games. It's a very unique Division One experience. It so is. When I got to Florida Gulf Coast, it was more of a, you know, we were in the ASUN. It was more of a traditional Division One experience. Right. It, it, yeah. It, it, I, I would, I would agree from, yeah, I would agree that it's, yeah. The, the number of people you can recruit for Dartmouth is this small little sliver nope. <laughs> and the people you can root for Florida Gulf coast is actually a much bigger sliver, but it's not where they are in their pecking order is different too. So you have those, uh, there's different obstacles with every job, obviously, unless you're like the Kentucky coach or something, I sure. guess. Um, all right. So then, so how long were you at Florida Gulf coast? One year. Okay. So one year, one year, and then eight years. We'll, we'll tell that progression. Why was that? Was it, was it a, a lateral move? Was it an upward move? Was it a family move? What, what was, what caused that kind of progression? So, you know, going to Chicago state, I got the opportunity to, to come back home, which was great after I kind of, you know, traversed the country Right. And it was an opportunity also, it was a new staff there, our head coach, Tracy Dildy, um, you know, he had brought in a new staff. So, you know, I kind of, I, I, I didn't know him, but we knew some mutual people and I ended up meeting him and kind of pitching him on the idea of bringing me in. And he kind of, he brought me in for a year to see how it would go. And it went really well. We, we bonded, um, built a great relationship. And, you know, I, I, at that point, I just wanted to just be there and build something. I just wanted to see year over year over year, how could we develop this program? Let's bring guys in. Let's, let's get those freshmen to graduation and just kind of feel, instead of kind of popping into situations like I had right. been, really be a part of building something. Right. And, and so Chicago State's an interesting job. All those jobs are an interesting job because you really don't have to leave a 60-mile radius to be competitive probably. But right. that's a harder thing than easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Um as far as getting the kids to, to play, where does Chicago state play? So they, we, they played on campus on campus. Okay. Yep. And how much did that hold? It's a pretty good size arena. I think it's like about maybe six, 7,000. Okay. That's Comedy pretty good. Center. It's, it's, it's really nice. It is very nice. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So then what happened after the Chicago state? So, you know, like a lot of coaches, you know, I hopped from place to place, got to Chicago state, and, you know, we, we built, 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 got to year four, year five, when you kind of feel like, okay, we've sent a class through, we've sent a couple of junior college classes through, had a couple of really good years. Now it's time to move on. And we looked around college basketball and we, we couldn't move on. And, you know, Chicago State, I, I personally think Chicago State is the toughest job in the country. Um, very, very low resource. Um, the first couple of years we were there, we weren't in a conference with automatic bid. We eventually got in the WAC. Um, we were logging the most miles, maybe outside of Gonzaga, uh, just always were. on the plane, just always in hotels. It just, and, um, you know, you kind of get to a point, I think, where you kind of look around and you see, you know, 
we've done everything we can. Uh, we had a lot of administrative turnover and, and I just started feeling then like, okay, you know, I, I need some, I need to, again, to do some things that kind of set me apart. I got to, you know, wins and losses. We've had some good years, but I got to do something to set me apart. And that, that's when I went back to school at Chicago State while I was coaching to pursue my doctorate in educational leadership, just to try to give me one other thing, one other leg up, you know, just to kind of keep building my resume. Right. I mean, and, and where, where in the city is Chicago State? Where in the city is it? It's, uh, it's far on the south side, 95th south side. Street. Yep. How far from Wrigley? So basically like downtown, you could put it zero. Wrigley is you know, like another 40, 40, 50 blocks north of that. We were 95 blocks south. So okay. we were, we're, we're, we're about 30, we're about 55, 60 blocks south of, um, I call it Comiskey, but uh, I guess uh, guaranteed rate field now. Okay. Well, Kaminsky too, even, I, even though I'm not a, a Sox fan. I am a Cubs fan, but I'm not a Sox fan. Um, okay, so uh, okay, so then, so what happened? What, what was your progression as a profession then after that? Yeah, so actually, in my sixth year at Chicago State, there was just a lot of administrative turnover, and I had the opportunity to do some administration while I was coaching. So, I, you know, again, my mentality has always been just kind of do whatever you can to set yourself apart. So I started doing administration, started doing compliance while I was coaching. And I did that for a couple of years. And then when our head coach got let go after the 18-19 season, I was in a position where I could transition into administration for the time being, see how it went and give myself another you know, potential career path to stay in college athletics. Okay. So, so you could be, you could be an athletic director at basically any school then. Yep. Okay. Um, and that's what you're doing now. Yep. So right now I'm the, uh, executive senior associate athletic director at university of Hartford. Hartford. Okay. Yep. Um, and how did you end up at Hartford? Uh, you know, what basically went to administration, did Chicago State for a little while, wanted something different, uh, went out to the University of Northern Colorado in administration, and uh, just happened to get, my wife is from New Hampshire, so we were looking to move back east, um, and so it's just the Hartford job came up and um, just kind of went for it, and we were fortunate to get it and, and move out here uh, weeks before everything went crazy in the world uh, with <laughs> the pandemic. It's funny, too. Uh, um, yeah, it is. Like, it's so much easier on the East coast to travel from like going from Hartford to New Hampshire is not bad, but going from like New Mexico to, to, you know, Eastern Texas is going to take you a while. Like <laughs> that's what people don't realize. Everything out there is condensed, man. You can get, yep. you can get from state to state in no time. Um, so then, so how did the, how, so let's, let's dive into the book. Cause the book intrigues me because I'm always talking about leadership, but I think it's one of those things like culture that people always talk about, but then they don't teach it. Um, uh, so how did the book come about? Um, and then, yeah, dive into the book a little bit. Like, how did it come about? How long did it take? How did that happen? Yeah, so what, when I was at Chicago State and I was doing my, my doctoral program, I started working on my dissertation. And my dissertation was trying to figure out what the best leadership style for, for basketball coaches to practice. And we, we had just happened to add an additional question at the end that basically was trying to gauge, do coaches know the leadership style they're actually practicing? And so, you know, I, I did a study, put out a survey, division one, two, and three men's college basketball coaches. And, you know, coaches basically said, this is the leadership style I think I'm practicing. They answered a whole bunch of questions on leadership. And then at the end, I got the results and I could say, this is the type of leader you actually are and compare it to what they thought they were. And, and what percentage were right? And what percentage were wrong? Uh, a very high percentage were wrong. Yeah, I would guess. <laughs> there was, uh, the gap was huge. And, and, and I had over 200 coaches in the study from power five to division two and three final four national championship coaches. And overall, the population, there was a big gap between the leadership style they thought they were practicing and what they were actually practicing. So is there a correct leadership style? So my study determined that the best leadership style for coaches to practice is transformational leadership. 
So inspirational motivation, positive communication, mixed with the autocratic leadership behavior of coaches unilaterally making quick decisions. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think if that's, I think I've, I think I've morphed into that. Um, I don't think it, as a youngster, I don't think most young coaches are probably not that. <laughs> when, when you describe that, I'm going, oh, I don't know many young coaches that are that way. Um, that's interesting. Yes. Uh, so, and what, what did, and, and how many different types of leadership styles are there? So there, there's, there's like an infinite number of leadership right. styles. They're, they're all, you know, I, for me, it kind of comes down to transformational leadership, transactional leadership, servant leadership, democratic leadership, um, autocratic leadership. Those are kind of the big five that I focus on. Okay. Um, and how does, a, how does a coach go about changing their style? So that, that was why I wrote the book, because... Okay. For me personally, you know, that was not, I, that was not a softball, but I, I guess it was a softball, but I mean, it's, I mean, I just asking you, I'm literally asking you questions that I have, but go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt, but no, like, you know, for me, cause you know, when, when I was a coach, I was a division one and two coach for over for 12 years. And there just weren't that many professional development opportunities that taught me about leadership. And I found throughout my career, a lot of what was termed leadership development was more just... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Networking or, you know, maybe some management training. It wasn't like really dedicated leadership training of these are the leadership styles that are best for coaches. This is how to practice them. And this is how you figure out what's best for you. And that was why I, I decided to write the book was to, you know, take this foundational leadership knowledge. These are really great leadership styles for coaches. This is how you practice them. This is some techniques. This is some tools you could use to practice them with your team. This is how you figure out if they're working. And this is how you continue to, you know, change your leadership practice over time and adapt it as you progress as a coach. And, and that's really what I try to do with the book is just say, here's a menu of leadership options. You figure out what you know, your personal, you know, leadership values are and your beliefs. And then these, you match up the styles that you think are going to be best for you. Does it, does the sport matter? So in, in my research, sport doesn't matter. And level has very, very little matter as well. Um, it matters a little bit in terms of the leadership style you practice. Uh, you know, like professional coaches might be a little more hands-off. College coaches tend to be a little more hands-on. Youth coaches, you know, it's more based on just being uplifting and motivational. But in terms of figuring out what works for you, it's kind of all comes back to what's important to you as a leader, and then what figure out what are the leadership styles that support that. So, so do do you how, how do you figure that out? How do I figure out what's important for me? Do is, is does the book walk me through a? I mean, again, just from a, you know, I'm walking through the bookstore and I pick it up. What's it going to do? Like, what's the reward for me for the book is basically what I'm saying. It's like, if I, if I take it, it, first of all, is the book audible yet? No, you don't have an audible, audible version. Okay. Okay. Cause I love audible books. Um, so, uh, but if I pick the book up, what will it do? What will it walk me through? Like, how will it help me by the time I finish that end of the book, be a better leader as far as a leader of my program and stuff, or to know what style I have. Yeah, so the, the first thing it's going to do is it's going to tell you, you know, these are the leadership styles and these are the behaviors that are associated with them. So you could figure out the leadership style you're actually practicing. So I think that's the most important thing is for coaches to know and understand what they're currently doing. And then they can decide, is that actually what they want to be doing? Do they want to be doing something else? 
by reading through these other leadership styles? Are there other ones that speak to them? Um, so for example, if, if you are a, you know, you're a coach who's extremely positive and uplifting, you know, and motivating and inspirational, then you're, you know, you're probably mostly a transformational leader. But if you start reading through some other leadership styles, you might say, okay, that's what I typically do, but there's other leadership styles that I think maybe they speak to me more that I wasn't familiar with, or maybe there's elements I want to incorporate. My guess is, and I haven't seen it, but my guess is I might be this, but I probably got little pieces of the other ones. I mean, we're human beings. We're not like, we don't necessarily fit into a box. I love that. Okay. So I figure out which one I am and then what does it, what does it tell me? What's my next step then? Because I'm always, this is the math teacher me. So what's my next step once I figure out what I am? So the the next step from there is I'm going to then teach you using a lot of, you know, failures and successes from my career, how to practically apply these leadership styles. So I'm going to take situations that I was in as a coach, tell stories so that coaches can see the real world examples of how these leadership styles play out and how they work or don't work. And then, and then they can learn how to use them. And then will you, you'll, and you'll give practical ways that I can work on that specific skill, right? Yep. Cause that, that, that's the kicker is that it's like, great. I might need, I need, I know I need to do this, but how can I go from here to here? And that's, that's always the hard, the hard part. Um, how did you come up with the name for the book? lead like a pro brainstorming just tons and tons of terrible book ideas and having my wife tell me over and over you cannot name your book that until i eventually found one that just clicked it's funny how that works isn't it it's like yep. it, it, it it's it, like when i named my website when i named my business when i named my def- like all that stuff it's like you can literally like i tell people brain dump because it's hard yeah. Um, Cause there's a lot of bad ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love that. So um, I will, uh, for anybody that's listening, cause a lot of people exercise and do this. I will put a link down below. I'll put the list. I'll put all, all, of, all of Matt's stuff down. I'll put all the context stuff. So don't worry about it. If you're driving, I'll put it out in the show notes. So you can pull up iTunes or whatever and, and, and look at it. Um, so it's available everywhere. Probably. Is it published now? Is it hardcover? is paperback what is it and can they find it anywhere i mean yep it's uh it's in paperback right now and you can get it everywhere okay so that's perfect so yeah so i'll put the link down below so people can find that that's not a problem so what's the sequel (laughs) what's the next one is there a next book in in yeah everybody has uh, first of all i've 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 heard that everybody has a book in them like my brother wrote a book i wrote a book i think everybody's got a book for all the coaches out there, we all got one book in us. Um, do you have two books in you or three books or how, how are you feeling about that? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's, um, you know, the book took me basically from, you know, when I pitched the idea and, and I told my publisher who I hope isn't listening that I had a lot more of the book done than I actually did um, until the book, you know, is actually released about two years. Okay. Um, so a little stretched out probably because of, because of everything going on and, and just delays and things, but all told two years. Um, right now, I don't feel like I could do it again. Um, you know, I, but before this book, you know, I, I didn't know that I could do it. So, you know, it was one of those things where you needed that aha moment, that idea to come up that you really cared about and then just start writing in order to, to show yourself. You how did it. the, how did the publisher help? Like, so, do they push you? Do they move you along? Do they like, how does that work? So, you know, I, I have a really great publisher, Mascot Books. They were as hands-on or hands-off as they needed to be. Okay. Uh, so for me, as long as I was kind of progressing with deadlines, getting things back, you know, relatively timely, communicating, you know, they weren't, they weren't, um, they weren't getting too worked up about where we were in the process. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple, I'm going to ask you a couple of hoop questions before, yeah. and we'll, we'll circle back to the, uh, We'll circle back here to the book at the end too. Um, what do you think is the hardest thing to teach basketball wise? I think the hardest thing to teach, you know, for me was always kind of getting into the specifics of how we want plays to be run. 
I, I always found like that was one of my struggles as a as a coach was teaching teaching five players at the same time this is everything you need to do on the court in order for this to be successful and for them to do it that was always the toughest thing for me as a coach I always would focus more on one player or I'm watching the ball or that was always a struggle for me was was playing that out in a way that my my players could understand a play from start to finish and be able to execute it it's like a symphony and what what, what do you think the solution to that is for me, it was breaking it down into parts. So it was teaching part by part by part in different sections and then putting it all together, which was as, as much for me as for the, for the players, although I do think it helped them because they were able to see and understand what everybody else was doing in relation to them. So they could kind of understand, okay, I know this is my role, but my teammate is doing this other thing and that's why I do this next step. I think that kind of helped as well. And it, it, for me, it helps to kind of visualize everything going on. And I think, I think, and I've been doing a lot of reading in the last six months about this. I think a lot of it is you got to let them, first of all, we all got to shut up and practice more. We talk too much. I'm convinced of that as coaches, the more and more I've read, we talk too much. We got to let them, we got to let them fail. And, you know, if they get beat baseline three straight times, hopefully by the fourth time, they're going to figure out, well, maybe I need to leave more space. Maybe I need to leave. Right. Like, so I think part of it is, and I, and I've always done this, so I didn't know I was doing it, but I'm always been a, you know, here, here it is. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to deep dive in. Maybe it's the math teacher. I'm going to deep dive and I'm going to really teach you this. And then we're going to, we're going to rep, we're going to rep it to the point where I think, and then we're, we're going to rep it for the next three months in smaller pieces but we're not going to come do that master class again because we've already done the master class and you all kind of know what I expect. But we're going to just rep, 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 rep over time. And they, there's something that just happens. And I don't know, for at least for teenage boys, they'll figure out like, ooh, I don't like getting beat baseline every freaking time. I got to do something or whatever the specific skill is. Um, going back to your college days, what did you look for in a recruit? What did you look for? Like what, what, like what was that X factor? Um, Cause I know there's lots of high school coaches who listen to this, but what's that thing that you're looking for? Obviously if you're recruiting Dartmouth or college, I mean, there's different things, but what are you looking for in that gym? Cause when I go to some of those gyms, my head feels like it's going to explode. Like I can tell the best player in the gym, <laughs> um, but so can everyone else. Like, how do you find that? Dartmouth kit or that Chicago or the Florida Gulf coat. How do you find that kid in the masses of that gym? So I'm always looking for toughness and leadership. And I think those things are subtle. So for leadership, it's okay. Your teammate falls, you immediately pick them up. You're walking to the huddle. You put your hand on your teammate's shoulder. You're engaged on the bench. When you come out of the game, you have really good body language. I always look for those things. And then for the toughness piece of it, to me, that's, you know, did you get on the floor? Are you trying to take charges? And I think an underrated thing to watch for for coaches is, are they on the court talking on defense? I always am looking for the kids who are talking on defense, which I think is becoming increasingly rarer as we move on talking on defense. Kids are just a lot of ball watching. Are you so engaged on defense and locked in that you're telling other teammates what to do or where to be even though the ball isn't there, right? Are you talking and pointing? Well, leaders not, leaders not only worry about themselves, but others. Mm -hmm. I tell my guys that all the time. And it's like, but I, I, and I tell, I, I, I was talking to one of my parents the other day and it's like, I said, and, and he's, this is going to be a really good player by the time he's done. I said, it's not about the points you score in the EYBL. It's about the other stuff they're looking for. It's about mm -hmm. like, how are you dealing with your teammates? Are you making that extra pass? Are you getting on the floor? That stuff's going to make you stand out because the difference between the fifth best player in that gym and the ninth best player is pretty small. <laughs> but yeah. what's going to separate you is like what kind of teammate you are, what kind of, I, I love that. Cause that, that was what I was hoping you were going to answer um, with that. But I think that's, um, I think that's underrated in a lot of these summer gyms. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, describe your coaching philosophy or the philosophy of the guys you were under. It was, would, would they, would I have known it if I'd have walked in your gym? 
you know, I, I think for me, my, my philosophy changed over time. Um, you know, I, I think the, the big part of my coaching philosophy was I always wanted to build strong relationships with my guys. I, and, and I always call them my guys because that, that's what they literally are, is my guys. And, they are. You know, yeah. And to me, it's about building the relationship off the court so that when we get on the court, there's that trust that they're going to do what I'm telling them to do because we've got that relationship. And it's got to transcend basketball. It's got to be more than just player coach. You know, I, I always, you know, in, in my, you know, last few years at Chicago State, you know, I, I would show the guys pictures of my kids. I asked them how their families are. We sit in the office and we talk. I talk to them about school. They talk to me about school. We don't, I, I try not even to talk about basketball so that we could build that bond. And I, I think that's so important. I know when my son, who's 19 now, but when he was little, you could tell the special ones because they'd always like run over to him and they'd always interact. I mean, the, you can tell when it's, when, when there's, when that's truthful and from the heart and um, no, I agree. I, I think that's, I think that's an interesting, I think one of the big things I've learned over my coaching career is like, the wins and losses will come and go, but it's like, how are you influencing their lives? And to be honest with you, the wins will follow. If they, if they love you, the wins will follow because mm -hmm. they'll run through a wall for you. If they love you um, or they care and they know you care about them. Um, so I haven't asked this question in a while, but I'm going to ask it. Uh, if, if you could talk to one coach living or dead for an hour, uninterrupted, you ask them anything they want, which coach would it be and why? That is a great question. Um, you know, I, honestly, for me, it would, it would be Pat Summit. Um, you know, she was always somebody that I really admired. Um, she was actually one of the first coaches that I actually just loved as a coach. I just wanted to know what the team was doing, how they were doing it. I wanted to watch their games. Uh, I just, I just had such a great affection for her. And I would really just want to know in the early years of that program, when nobody had heard about Tennessee, when she was just getting in, what she did, what were some of the foundational principles that she built that program on to get it to where it eventually got, uh, I just would want to just an hour to just pick her brain about how it all started. Right. Because you forget Duke wasn't Duke when coach K showed right. up. I mean, it was good, but it wasn't Duke. And it, Tennessee wasn't Tennessee when, you know, coach some, I mean, that's what people don't understand. It's like, so yes. What's the secret sauce? Like an hour. Could you get to them? And it's, I, I haven't thought about this question in a while. Um, there are so many, there are so many good coaches. It's like, how do I pick one? Um, yeah. It, I mean, it's a, it's a, that's a, that's a difficult one. Um, all right. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do my rapid fire. Um, which is just me asking you specific questions about basketball. Um, what's your favorite brand of basketball, the actual ball? Uh, I would say Nike. Okay. Uh, one word to describe your ideal player. Tough. Uh, if you go to one sporting event in the world, what would it be and why? It would be the NBA Finals. Uh, I just think that's, that's the ultimate of basketball. Uh, and I've been to the final four, so we want to do something different. Okay. Uh, your favorite pregame or postgame meal. Oh, I can't eat on game day. Just, just picking, snacking. Can't do it. You're the third coach in this, in a week that have said they don't eat. Do you really? eat post, do you eat postgame? Postgame, postgame I'll eat. Yeah, but you're not, like not the third the coach, game. no pregame. Well, first of all, I I firmly believe like we're doing this at about seven o'clock at night. I haven't eaten since eleven yesterday, oh. so I believe in intermediate fasting. I think it's okay. really good. Like I like you can tell I'm like I've gotten a second wave of juice. It's really good for your body. I've done a lot of research. It's anyway, this isn't a medical thing, but it's really good because if you think about human beings, the thousands of years we've been alive that we didn't eat as much as many calories as we're eating right now. And we, we had, I'd have had to go out and hunt and gather today if I'd wanted to eat. Um, so your bodies are actually set up for it. Um, so anybody that wants to do it, do some research on it, but it's the first couple of days you'll be hungry. But once you get kind of your body gets used to it, 
it's actually really good for your body. Um, drink lots of water too. Those two things. Uh, anyway, um, so, but I, I I don't tend to eat pregame either, and I usually go to Chick Fil A postgame only if we win. Oh, that's a good postgame. Yes, only if we win. If we don't win, I don't get to go. I got to come home. Like so, it's like my little reward to myself. But the funny part, you'll love this, coach, is it closes like it closes at ten. So it's like I have, you know, like you're I'm a high school coach. It's like you gotta make sure everyone's out of the locker room, the lights are off. It's like mm-hmm. there's been times it's like, all right, man, it's 950. I gotta get going. <laughs> like luckily it's it's across from the high school. Um, but so it's like you can get there in about three minutes, but it's like, oh my goodness. Um, what what does your game what does your game day look like at the division one level? Like what like you're at home at Chicago State or at Dartmouth. What does your game day look like? You as the assistant. Yeah, so just, you know, making sure guys are getting up, going to class, treating it like a regular school day, um, games during the week, getting ready for shoot around, sharing up the scout if it's my scout, reviewing the scout if it's another coach's scout so I know what the highlights are, um, trying to catch guys, you know, walking past my office or coming through the gym during the day, you know, texting guys constantly to come in and get some shots up on their own. And do they do that? Do they come in on game day if they can? Yeah, I, you know, it depends on the guy. Um, they've got their rituals too, but I, you know, you, you pester them enough and they see their friends coming in, they'll, you can get most guys to come in. <laughs> yeah, I bet you can. Uh, what's one thing you do to relax? Yoga. Ooh. Yep. That's on my list. That's on my list. I gotta, I, I gotta get on that. The, the flexibility of that is what I need. Um, uh, do you have any superstitions? Uh, during the game, I just relentlessly chew gum, got to relentlessly chew gum. And if we, and when we win, I have to keep wearing those socks. I chew gum too. And one of the reasons I do it, so I don't talk to the officials as much now about once or twice a season, I will say something it will go out Mm -hmm. and then I'll pick it up, put it back in. And if then it's the talk of the school for the, like the next day, like, I go, what, come on, it's a piece of gum, whatever. Um, uh, one coaching technique you think is important? I would say, um, I would say when you're, when you're going to criticize players, try to pull them off the sideline and do it. Just the two of you try to resist that urge during the play to yell the criticism across the court in front of all their teammates. Um, just, you know, pull them off the side, talk through it and again that that's like that's the relationship building and the building guys up as opposed to that that urge to just yell it out while the play's going on right and and especially in, in what i've learned to do and i don't know where this would fall in the leadership i've asked them like so i'll stop and i don't try to stop again i try to let the flow go but if it's something like this is we got to stop this this can't happen i'll ask them like what happened there you know ian ian what happened there and normally they'll say, coach, man, they beat me. Perfect. Yep. Done. And so they've owned that mistake. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not like, what, what it's very like conversational, like what happened there? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it might not be their fault. Well, I didn't hear the screen called or I didn't it's like, okay, well then you two got to talk to each other. Let me introduce you. Ian, this is John, John, this is Ian. I'll make fun of it or something. And it's like, good, we're good. All right. Then we go on with the drill. Um, you're right though. Um, I, I love that. That's a great, that's a great tidbit. Um, describe your perfect player in five words or less. Always doing the tough stuff. Okay. Uh, best basketball player you have seen in person. Uh, James Harden. When I was at Western Mexico, we played Arizona state in an exhibition and, uh, I, the best I've ever seen. Best, best basketball player of all time. LeBron James. I have not had a LeBron in over a month. Okay. Just know that LeBron wears Jordan. So it's true. It's true. That's a, that's a tough point to argue. <laughs> no, here's the point with Jordan. And here's why I think I'm not sure Jordan's the best of all time. We can have that discussion forever. He, he has transcend generations. That's the issue. It's yeah. like, there's kids in my gym right now that are 16 years old. that are talking about Jordan. That'd be like, that would have been like me talking about Bob Cousy when I was in high school or like, I mean, you got to think this guy played 30 years ago Yeah, <laughs> and there's talking about him. Like he's like LeBron. 
yeah. or Giannis. It's like, oh, okay. That's the one thing about him is that whole shoe Jordan brand thing has transcended. It's just crazy. Um, uh, did you, if you could only teach one skill, what would you teach? Passing. Okay. Shot clock. Yes or no? High school level. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, what's one thing that helped you become a better basketball coach? Uh, patience and listening. Patience and listening. Okay. That's two things, but we'll give you that one. We'll Thanks. give you that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, jump ball. Yes or no? No. I'm a no too. I say, get rid of it. Right. It's our, why do we have it still? Yeah. Um, one word to describe your coaching style. Inspirational. Okay. And my last question for everybody that's on my podcast, what's one bit of advice you'd give your younger self? Really focus on listening to the players, having patience with them and Try to put yourself in their shoes and have empathy for what they're going through instead of always just trying to tell them, fix this, fix this, fix this. Yes. It's hard. What I tell people is what I tell some of the young coaches I mentor to, it's hard to remember back, but remember back, you know, 16, this was important, but the girl talking in the hallway was just as important too. (laughs) So just... It's hard to remember that, but it's it it it's 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 an important thing to kind of reflect back on. All right, so, coach, last shout out. First of all, let's we didn't talk about your website, so talk about your website, and then we'll talk about the book before we before we say goodbye here. Um, so, what's your website and what's on it for people that would want to go check it out? And I'll again put it in the show notes for people, but um, describe what that is. Yeah, so the the website is Raidbard Leadership and. It's my uh, sports leadership consulting business. And, you know, basically it's just, it's me putting my, basically putting my knowledge and my techniques that I put in the book to practice in education, training, seminars for coaches, staffs, um, and just, you know, being willing to take a more, you know, specific approach to a lot of these leadership things I talk about in the book. Do you travel, do you deal with teams or not? Probably not as much at the high school level. Do you deal, deal with collegiate teams? Uh, from youth sports to collegiate. Okay, that's great. Um, and so I'll put that in, I'll put that down there in, the, in, in Coach's email and all his contact stuff. And then Lead Like a Pro um, is available where books are sold. Yep. <laughs> Basically, Bezos wants to go to um, space again. So you got to buy more books is basically... He did thank everybody for buying things on Amazon. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Matt, this was, this was great. I, I, I learned a lot today. So I really do appreciate you coming on. I do. Coach, thanks so much for having me. This was fantastic. I had so much fun. This was great. Thank you very much. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, like. Um, we love those. Um, and send me an email, steve at teachhoops.com. Tell me what you want to hear in the future. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.